Coming up, as the New York football giants prepare for the Minnesota Vikings this weekend, we take a look at some key roster moves, a fallen friend inside the linebacking core, if the reinforcements can come soon enough, and then beyond the New York football giants, what is happening in the division with the Eagles and the Cowboys? How does it impact the playoffs for the New York football giants? And what about that Vikings matchup? Could it tell the tale of where they'll need to travel come wildcard weekend? We break it all down next. Yes, friends, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast. My boy, Doug Norrie, and yonder there, the healthy, the wealthy, the wise, the seasoned generational ticket holder, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. I am fired up. Last weekend was an amazing Woo! sports weekend, Adam. This upcoming one is another great one, right? You have you have, you have the holiday season in the air, and for the first time that I can remember, maybe, maybe even be ever, we have both the NBA and and the NFL on on Christmas Day. I mean, which way are you going gravi- to gravitate towards? Because from what I'm seeing, the games are a little bit of a stinker in the NFL, I think. But you tell me. Yeah, I'm going to leave. Well, it's interesting, too, because the, the Nets don't play on Christmas Day. They play ahead of that weekend. So I'll be honest with you. Um, when you work in the biz, when you're covering teams, sometimes it's nice to not have to worry about it. So I'll have something on. I think I'll probably like switch around a little bit. You know, the NFL, like it can be a total slog in terms of what the games are supposed to be, but then they get going. And if it's a good one, I'll watch it. What's the, what's the, before we get in, what is the rundown for, for Christmas uh, day? Uh, Christmas day. Hold on. I'll give it to you right now. There so obviously the giants play the Minnesota Vikings on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, they have the 1 PM game, 1 PM slate. Prime time for the Giants and Kirk Cousins yet, uh, yet again. Uh, when we move over to the 25th, it starts out with the Packers versus the Dolphins, which I feel like that's a pretty good game considering the Packers have gone on a little bit of a run. They got something then, in them. Technically, the, the Packers are still in it. Yes. And then you have just the the clash of the Titans. Before the season, you thought this was going to be an amazing game, Adam. I just saw this. <laughs> The, the Broncos <laughs> versus the Rams may not have Russell Wilson, too. Might be Brett oh. Rippon versus Brit Baker Mayfield at 430, which is like the prime spot where you're getting that prime rib ready. And you're about yeah. to sit down and, and start watching some sports. And you're like, why is Brett Rippon on my TV in prime time right now? Who put this man on my television? But then the good news is, Andy, as I look at it here, then it all gets cleaned up. The prime time game. Mwah. chef's kiss they're gonna give you tampa bay at arizona oh, i That's mean the tampa bay buccaneers struggling to limp their corpses across the playoff finish line in their division and the cardinals who uh also will be running out a backup quarterback of some kind and obviously have had a disaster of a season man when you look at those three games it's so it, it really is funny because broncos rams you would have thought would have been Two teams competing for their divisions, competing for number one seeds, et cetera. No, they're actually competing for rankings inside of uh, the draft order, although I think the Rams pick goes out the door. And then Green Bay, even Green Bay, right? Green Bay, Miami. Miami was kind of, you know, kind of building block season. Tua going the right direction. They bring in Tyree Kill, the weapons. like, And then the Cardinals-Bucks game. 
Cardinals are a, a good team on paper. Like every, every one of those games should have, could have been exciting. And ironically, the most intriguing element is probably what's more intriguing to you. If green Bay is getting eliminated, because even inside of the AFC East, you'd say Miami, the, the pursuit of the division is over. So green Bay trying to hang on by a thread or the idea that Tampa Bay could fall out of the division lead, like that there's still some intrigue around them being able to help hold on to the NFC South. I mean, listen, I, I, I think it's that Packers Dolphins game because both teams, that's the only game where both teams have something to play for. That's true. Because Miami is hanging on by a thread as well. They're only one game up on a few different teams for that seven seed. Right. I mean, you, you look at even the Jaguars and the Raiders are within striking distance at six and eight. You know, you have the Jets and the Patriots at seven and seven. So, like, the margins are really, there. Yeah, the, the margins are razor thin for the Miami Dolphins in that game. By the way, that you mentioned. The oh, Broncos yeah, wild card and everything. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, it's, I almost kind of like because Miami's been a relatively good team all year, but all of a sudden you look up and you look inside the AFC. The AFC is much sexier than the NFC right now. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. just being honest. So yeah. many things with. 10 win Bengals, nine win Ravens there, right? Seven and seven Titans, as you said. Jaguars trying to make that push. Like, yeah, there's a lot of intriguing things happening, even just in the AFC East alone. The last thing we'll say, because yeah. this is a Giants podcast, we'll get sure. back to the back to the biz. But you and I are both like, wow, look at the schedule for the weekend. This is interesting. Like, I think people will find that fascinating. The one thing I will say is that 430 game, I, one, I wish they could have like flexed it to oblivion. Um, the the second thing is both those teams are gonna have nothing to play for. On both fronts, they do not care about winning the game because they're not going to make the playoffs. And usually you'd say tanking gets you a better draft pick. The Broncos traded their first round pick for Russell Wilson and the Rams traded their first round pick for Matt Stafford. So doesn't it, it, the game is inconsequential to literally both teams that are playing. Man, oh man, I'll be switching over to the NBA at whatever point that is. Ironically, though, the Seattle Seahawks and Detroit Lions, who are both still playing for the playoffs, if, say, they lose, which would help the Giants in so many ways, as we know, they could be getting consolation prizes. Look, you remain atop the NFL, NFL draft board there at the, I think it's the second and third pick rate, uh, third and fourth pick rate now, Seattle, and then uh, Detroit being there at three and four. So, yeah, interesting for sure. Uh, at some point here in the episode, I will notate what the games are in the NBA just because we're Bucks, everywhere. Yeah. Bucks Celtics, 5 p.m. on Christmas Day. I oh, highly recommend watching that game over the Rams and the Broncos. It's actually a good litmus test, Adam, to figure out, like, NFL is king, and it's like people will watch almost anything. The Bucks celtics matchup is so much more fascinating. I'm curious to see what the ratings end up being between one of the worst matchups ever in the NFL versus the best matchup in the NBA. By the way, it's a Wednesday show. We can, we can, we can, you know, we can have some fodder at the top. Uh, Philadelphia at the New York Knicks, LA at the Dallas Mavericks, the Lakers, Bucks, as you said, at the Celtics, Grizzlies at Golden State, although no Steph Curry right now for them. And then the Phoenix Suns at the Denver Nuggets. Like that entire slate right there. To different levels, different degrees. Every single one of those games can be a can be a powerhouse, like totally intriguing and engaging. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. First of all, the NFL is greedy as hell. Just getting into the, into know, the Christmas just weekend, encroaching on the NBA, just so disrespectful, right? They're like, we want that day, we're gonna take that day. We want that day, we take that day. And by the way, that's we'll look at the numbers coming out of Christmas and see, like even the worst games for the NFL can sometimes challenge the best matchups. Okay. That's exactly how I think. Just check the rundown here. Yeah. Talk S about random stuff for the first seven to eight minutes and then tap into the New York football Giants. Yeah, so just how we drew it up. The Boston Celtics were going to come up on, on our on the podcast. As right? we all knew. Um, so on the Giants side of things, we had said last episode, 
Um, looking, we were talking, you know, complimentary about Tony Jefferson, complimentary about Landon Collins, and they had to come in to fill in certain roles where there's been these gaps. You go back and you think about it. Obviously, the Giants draft Micah McFadden. Obviously, they draft Darian Beavers. Injury to Beavers, he's not going to be there. Jalen Smith, the linebacking core has been decimated all year. And then even into the secondary, as we know, Xavier McKinney out, obviously, and Adoree Jackson not there either. So we kind of lumped these together in, in a collection of moves. Xavier McKinney, not likely to return. Adoree Jackson could make his return this week. Tay Crowder will not be playing this week because he's no longer on the New York football guys. It, it is a stunning turn of events from a month ago where Tay Crowder was a starting linebacker for the New York Giants. And now we fast forward a month later. There's a bunch of turmoil. He's disgruntled about not getting playing time. He's tweeting out saying, free me, which really, you know, it, you, you want to have the fan base turn on you very quickly. Just say you want out because you're pouting about playing time in games that you're, you know, for a playoff team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, Tate Crowder is gone. And the and the craziest thing, Adam, is our linebacking core might be even more depleted than our wide receiving core. And we talk about the wide receivers quite frequently. But when you're when the only healthy ones you have on the roster are Micah McFadden and Jalen Smith, who we picked up off the street a few, like a month ago, and now Landon Collins, who is just elevated from the practice squad to the 53. Tay Crowder could have played a pivotal rotational role down the stretch if he just wanted to do his job. Instead, it sounds like he, you know, we don't know the full story yet. I think people are, are pretty hush-hush about what's going on. But the fall from grace of being the starting linebacker to being benched to being released in less than a month in our weakest spot is, is shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, listen, you go back. Remember, he played in 11 games, started six in his rookie year, 2020, played all 17, started all 17 games last year, 130 combined tackles, 64 solo, right? Three for a loss, only one QB hit there. We obviously know that he wasn't the perfect player by any stretch, but this season, to your point, 13 games, eight started. Now, it's interesting the way they got labeled, went from right inside linebacker to just straight linebacker underneath the new regime. You know, we talked about this coming into this year about what would you ask of him? What would be the expectations? And I think you and I both kind of looked at it as saying like, hey, he played all 17 games last year and started. He's deserving of that opportunity, especially when you're going out and saying we're drafting two more rookie linebackers in the mid to late rounds of the NFL draft. Right. And I think he was given afforded every opportunity. What I find interesting is a couple of things. I, I hate to do this because I, I know it's not it's not the only metric because there's things on here like Aziz Ojolari's PFF grade right now, which I think is total garbage because he's played so well and the eye test tells you that. But 2021, Tate Crowder's PFF grade was a 29. 2022, his PFF grade was a 29.6, right? Like there's just a reality to who that player was and what his skill set was. And I honestly believe that if Darian Beavers hadn't gone down with his injury, I don't know if this move maybe doesn't come sooner or if he isn't put into a supplemental package much earlier in the season. I am surprised that he's gone the route of maybe being disgruntled. And that goes back a handful of weeks because to me, a new regime kind of gave you every opportunity, right? And you could have had some role in this. I don't think the, the Giants were eager to do it, but we have seen them kind of roll through a couple of players at a couple of positions and try new things. Wide receiver core, as you mentioned earlier, this is a part of the process. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe the, the shock should be that he held on this long on this team. I, you know, you're right. And it, <laughs> I think I think what we've realized is that Tate Crowder's perception of his play did not meet reality. Because you mentioned pro football focus. We mentioned, you know, not 
he was there by circumstance, not yep. by skill set, basically. And and I think he overshot his worth on this one, that saying free me, like I should be starting. Well, guess what? That's a bull. Now you have an opportunity yeah. to sign on with another team. Do you think another playoff contender is going to sign Tay Crowder? Do you think he's going to get a role, even a rotational role in their linebacking core? I don't personally see it. But now we get we get the litmus test. If if he thinks he can get a starting job somewhere else, by all means, you just would have loved to have seen him try to be a part of this rebuild and kind of put his head down and just do the work that was necessary. Instead, it feels like he kind of took, I don't know, the easy way out on this one. Yeah, honest, and honestly, all the best for him. Like, I hope he can. Well, you know what I could see is a team that's out of the playoff picture. Maybe they take a flyer on him and bring him in. Maybe he gets elevated and a chance to kind of establish himself with an opportunity somewhere else. But as we've seen in recent years, Typically, guys that have started or have had even large roles for the Giants the following year are either deep on a depth chart or not playing in the league, much like Jalen Smith, who we were able to bring back in after last year because he wasn't playing anywhere. I, I think the great litmus test in all of this will be if because take I believe anyone that gets released after this time, they, they have to go through the waiver process. If he doesn't end up with the Las Vegas Raiders and Patrick Graham, who was with him for multiple years, then I don't see him getting picked up by a team because if Patrick Graham doesn't take him back, then who who actually is going to even take that flyer? Yeah, that's true. You always look back to where they've been before and some connections and obviously played underneath them. So maybe there's an opportunity there brought in while he was the defensive coordinator, even in the draft class. Um, that being the case, we're not glossing over it, but again, we had mentioned it. Uh, McKinney not going to be back this week. That doesn't seem surprising. You had highlighted maybe he's pushing to get that club on his hand. Uh, whatever it's going to be, I think I even said this uh, yesterday, if you're if you're there for the wild card game, you know, assuming the Giants make the playoffs, like let's not, you know, knock on wood, they still have work to do. Assuming they make it, if you can be back for the wild card game, that's the ultimate goal here. Adoree Jackson, on the other hand, who was I think close to coming back, now you say we have the Vikings coming up, we do need this one more win. Uh, do you think it's more or less likely that they would push for him against the Vikings? We're going to talk about that later in the show, but would you push for him now, or would you say? Let's, you know, the dangerous thing, let's focus on having you back for the Colts game, which is the perceived easy win on the schedule. I, I think I think you don't let the who's on the schedule dictate whether or not he's going to be back. I don't I don't think, you know, the, the Giants have been very fortunate not rushing people back and still being able to win games this season, which I which I think is a credit to the coaching staff and, and the team when, you know, a real team effort when they get out there. For, for me, it's simple. I think you just stay the course. If Xavier McKinney can be out there, if he gets cleared, then he plays. If it's this week, next week, or against Philadelphia. But I don't think there's any point in, in rushing him back, knowing that you could cause further harm and, da and damage. And Joe Shane has shown the resistance to mortgaging the long-term future of this team at every step of the way. Yeah, for sure. So I think, it, you know, again, we can go back and talk about that Cowboys game and the way they chose a certain injuries there. Then they kind of flipped the script on the second Washington game and still don't put some guys out there. And ultimately, you won one and a half games between those two matchups with, with Washington. So you feel pretty good about it. Um, that being the case, was there any uh, before we move on to because the way that we're structuring this show, by the way, is to take a look internally for the Giants then look inside the division and what is coming up here for the Eagles and the Cowboys and how that can impact the Giants. And then we'll get into the Vikings and the other big team looming from a playoff perspective, the 49ers. Anything else Giants directly related you want to talk about? Well, I just think it's interesting. Obviously, the Giants are a game up on the commanders right now. Washington has to go to San Francisco to play, which is no easy feat. We'll get into that potentially a little bit later. But just keep in mind, the Giants 
the Giants have the tie. They're the only the Giants and the Commanders are the only two teams that have ties in the NFC. And so what that means is when the tiebreaker comes down, if it comes down between the Commanders and the Giants, the Giants will have the tiebreaker against the Commanders head to head, which is tremendous for them. And so when you think about Washington, I just wanted to make that note when we, when, as we're going around the NFC, noteworthy that the Giants have that one in the pocket, knowing that they don't have the tiebreaker against the Cowboys and the Eagles as of right now. And one thing we can't do is uh, make a decision on who plays based on what happens in that game, because that'll be getting played in the, that's the late game in on Sunday, the Giants play at one o'clock against Minnesota. So you have to, whatever choice you're making, it's predicated on what you're trying to accomplish in this upcoming week. We'll get to that a little bit deeper in a second here, because inside the division, which by the way, um, you know, we could even, we could speculate on it a little bit. You know, how could the Giants still catch the Dallas Cowboys? I wanted to throw that one out there to you, Andy, because all the Dallas Cowboys have to do is lose out. And all of a sudden, Big Blue Baby, with that sweet tie in their back pocket, could find themselves right in the mix for getting themselves to that fifth wild card spot. I pivoted here, man. Why? Why? Be bullish, Andy. You've been so bullish on this team all year. Run the table. Run the table and give yourself the fifth seed. Well, listen, if the Eagles end up winning this weekend, all of a sudden Dallas is like, we're basically almost locked into that four seed. And they're like, we don't really have much to play for. However, when you look at the Dallas Cowboys schedule, Adam, I know this is crazy to think about. They play the Eagles. We don't know if Hertz is going to be out there. They play the Titans on a Thursday night. Tennessee, Tennessee is at home with their playoff hopes on the line, you would expect to see a heavy dose of Derrick Henry. And that game is important for them. And then, oh, Dallas has to go on the road to the Washington Commanders, who will literally be fighting for their playoff lives potentially in week in, in week 18. I never thought I would, uh, that thought would even cross my mind, Adam. I'd say that there's what? A 3% chance that the Giants run the table and the Cowboys lose out. Yep. But nonetheless, if that's the case, that is the ultimate, ultimate situation for the Giants to be in, knowing that you would be playing whoever wins the NFC South, probably the Tampa Bay Bucks as of right now. Yeah, well, listen, I, that's what I said. It's just, it's an intriguing little exactly. nugget there. I never thought. I and never again, thought. again, Andy, let me make it clear. The Dallas Cowboys don't even have to lose out. If the Dallas Cowboys are 11 and six, the New York football Giants can be 11, five and one. Mm. The Giants winning out and Dallas going one and two in their final three games would vault them into that fifth seed and that number one wild card spot. So it's I mean, like I'm just I know we're going to talk about the Eagles here and Jalen Hurts, but I, I thought about this the other day. Like and it's just it's more the question of how bullish do you want to be? Like, and, and I think like to me and we talked about this all season long. Hey, you don't apologize for the wins. You don't care about the losses. You are where you are. You're in the pl playoff picture. You're entrenched there. If the Dallas Cowboys weren't playing such shoddy football right now, I wouldn't even bring it up. But the fact that they're playing the division Eagles, that this game matters in a significant way for both teams still, it's – I'm just putting it out there. I'm just throwing the vibe out, man. Why not have the Giants run the table here and maybe beat a team in the Eagles in the final week that it may not matter if they win against Dallas on Christmas Eve? I mean, so we – uh, you, you, we didn't talk about this pre-show, no. and now my head is exploding. I, I've, I've, I had written off the five seed, and that is part of what we were going to talk about later. Now I can't I even get this out of my mind, Adam, That's because right. when when you think about what right, the way Dallas is, the way Dallas's schedule lines up too, like short week, have to go to Tennessee, physical defense, yeah, run the football, 
Like, that's what you want. Knowing the commanders are fighting literally for their playoff lives. They have to go to Washington, who has already beaten the Eagles. Like, to me, this is a scary situation for the Cowboys. It, while it is unlikely, knowing that the Giants, you know, we're assuming that the Giants run the table at this sure. point, which would Neither be a very, there. very tall order. But the way the Giants' schedule breaks out is far better than than the Cowboys. The problem is the Giants need to, to run the table, as we mentioned. But getting the Colts in, in the middle, no Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan is, is a shell of himself. They're playing for next season. You, you have the Minnesota Vikings who are, you know, by the skin of their teeth winning football games, but they don't really seem overly confident. And then, as you mentioned, week 18 against the Eagles, if they win one of these two games before it, they literally are playing for nothing. So while it's the most unlikely outcome, there still is a sliver of hope. But Adam, let's talk a little bit about what's more realistic about what the, what the Giants chances are for the playoffs. Yeah, and so, I mean, obviously, the the quick little nugget on the Eagles was maybe Jalen Hurts is a little dinged up. Should they sit him against the Dallas Cowboys, which could effectively blow up this little scenario that we're talking about here? I find that really intriguing because to, to sit there and say we're going to sit Jalen Hurts, you know, in week 16, well, then what about week 17? And then what about week 18? Like, and then you're talking about do we want to go into the playoffs if we've already locked, assuming we've locked up the one seed, so we get that bye week, then you add another week on that he might not play. I just, you know, we've seen this before about teams that come off of bye weeks and who they play, and sometimes you get a little bit snake bit because you're a little bit rusty. I don't know. I'm going to put it this way. Unless Jalen Hurts is really injured and there's really a chance of him you know, being injured long-term going to the playoffs, I don't see a world where he's not playing against the Dallas Cowboys. This is to lock things up. It's to send a message to Dallas. It might be effectively, by the way, we're talking about this wild scenario. You don't think the Eagles want to do everything they can to push the Dallas Cowboys out of the playoff picture? Like, let's be honest, the Giants are the least concerning team in this spectrum, you'd say, right now in the NFC. And if you're Philly and you say, hey, do I want to keep it on the table that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys might not be there come playoff time? 100%. Well, keep this in mind. So Jalen Hurts, we don't know the extent of the injury. Is it a torn labrum? Like, what is it about his shoulder that that is giving him problems? He kind of nodded when they when asked by the media if he could throw a football still. I think it's like, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, and it's I, like, I, think, I think this is all smoke and mirrors, by the way. I, I think he got a little dinged up. He clearly, he went back in the game. So, like, yeah. I, you know, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. He, he was able to continue. So if the game was that important, you think he'd be out there. What I will say, though, is if you decide to bench him, there's two things that pop in my mind. One is if they end up winning the game with Gardner Minshew, they will have no meaningful football left to play for this for the rest of the regular season. It would mean that Jalen Hurts would not play a competitive snap of football for 34 days. Yeah, it's, like, just a, it's a lot. That is such a long time. You may say like, oh, just get healthy. But you're like, OK, take over a month off and then just immediately win a playoff game for us. Like come back and play that. It doesn't seem all that great. The other thing I'm thinking about in the back of my mind, and maybe you're going to scoff at this, but like if Gardner Minshew goes in and lights it up and score and puts up 40 against the Cowboys. And then the Eagles have it wrapped up and they're like, yeah, Jalen, why don't you sit? And he looks efficient and good putting up 30 points. And you're like, this offense didn't skip a beat. I wonder, I, I still believe Jalen Hurts, obviously potential MVP candidate, will be playing in the playoffs no matter what. But do you think it hurts the negotiation at the table when, when Jalen Hurts is like, make me the highest paid quarterback? And they're like, the value over replacement here is not that great. Do we really want to put 
$48 million into the quarterback when our $700,000 quarterback gave us 95 cents on the dollar. Right, right. So I get, I get, because at first I'm, I'm like, dude, don't tell me you're talking about no, it. No, 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 no. the playoffs. But the contrast would be Jalen Hurts comes back, plays in the playoffs and looks average. Like maybe it doesn't go quite according to plan. And they know internally how bad the injury might be. Obviously, you're not going to do anything to take him out of that lineup and out of the rotation. But ironically, the Eagles being a team who have had the Carson Wentz situation, right? And then you end up winning a Super Bowl on the hands of Nick Foles. So like you kind of have all these things swirling around. You obviously know they want to build going forward with Jalen Hurts. He's the young quarterback. He's a sexy quarterback. Um, no, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it would damage anything at the negotiation tables. But what I will say is like the end of the season here for teams that have things locked up or trying to get some guys rest, like Garner Minshew. Listen, man, if you get to play a game or two and you can look pretty efficient, like remember what we've talked about the, the QB landscape in this off season, like Garner Minshew could be a somewhat hot commodity. Like, you know, it's funny how you forget what a player was. He was an average quarterback, but remember, he played for a crap team. Like, so then he goes just to get somewhere where he's going to have an opportunity to be a backup and whatever. Like, Gardner Minshew could be a guy that gets talked about in the offseason if he puts together a couple of nice performances and some teams, like maybe the Colts, right? Like maybe the Saints, like maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they move on from Tom Brady, who want to find like a low-cost guy to bring in to be a bridge quarterback. Like, the end of the season kind of matters for a lot of these backup players when you're giving rest to other dudes. What if Jalen Hurts is actually hurt and he has a torn labrum and Gardner Minshew's the Well, then the irony of his name is just brutal. Uh, oh, yeah, well, that, that, that is one thing. But you can you never, you can never up- cover in the broadcast. Jalen Hurts his arm. Like, is that a sentence? Jalen Hurts well, hurts his arm. Well, yeah, it's a tongue twister. Carson Wentz almost sounds like Wentz, so it's like kind of the same thing that happened to him with Nick exactly. Foles. But wouldn't it be fascinating if Jalen Hurts is out and the and the team rallies around Gardner Minshew and he takes him to the Super Bowl and the Eagles miraculously win it with a backup quarterback? We've never heard that story before. That right. would be fascinating. That little chestnut. Yeah, but but it, all in all, it the Jalen Hurts injury is interesting because it puts a lot of question marks, but also. We don't necessarily know when the Eagles could potentially wrap up the one seed. Having the Giants play them the last game of the season, what we thought might be all backups for the Eagles might end up being an important game to get Jalen Hurts reps or for them to lock up the one seed. So question for you, Andy, before we move on to a perspective on Minnesota and San Francisco here. Would you rather the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys this week so that it, I guess that's the both and, right? It puts yes. the, maybe the Giants can catch them and, and moves it out of the spectrum. Or yeah, so I guess that's sorry. There's no question there. You want the but, Eagles to win so that it sets up where the the Giants have every opportunity and takes off the table that the Eagles will need to play in that final week. It's a double win, as you mentioned. I don't need to labor the point. Yeah. Would, they would they would most likely, almost assuredly, sit the starters for half the game in Week 18, and also leaves the door open for Dallas to stumble down the stretch playing two more playoff teams after that. So uh, while it pains us to say it, Eagles versus Cowboys, you kind of just don't want either of them to win. But in this scenario, it it helps the Giants more if the Eagles pull it out. 100%. And guess what? You can't even say, oh, just have them tie. No, friends. We've seen how that benefits teams when it comes to (laughs) records. Okay. The last thing here, obviously, we have two more days to go here. I said this yesterday, but I didn't know how many episodes we do. I looked at the calendar. We're fine. We're going to give you Thursday. We're going to give you Friday. And then we're going to go into our holiday weekends, obviously. But um, the Minnesota Vikings game. So here's the, the, the quick thing is, remember. This is a team that just battled with the Colts, had to score. Th- now, it, it's, it's a tale of two two uh, two sides here. 
On the one hand, you go, hey, if you think that Colts game is so winnable in two weeks, go look at how they put up a 30-burger against the Minnesota Vikings. And then you say, ah, the Vikings, they suck. They're scraping and by, whatever. Well, they're also capable of putting up 30 points in a half of football to come back and win a game. The, the, the weirdness around this one, where the Giants need the win somewhere in here to make sure they have the playoff spot. But you look at those the scenario of who you then match up with in the playoffs, and there is there is something to be said for beating, winning or losing against the the Vikings, and how it could set up a far worse matchup when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, it it really is interesting, Adam, because the way that the assuming Philadelphia wraps up the one seed, winning one of their last three games, that's kind of the assumption that we're we're going to build right. this on. Right now, the Minnesota Vikings are the number two seed at eleven and three. What's crazy is the Giants are the Giants opened as four and a half point underdogs. People are betting the Giants. The Giants are now down to three and a half point underdogs. Sure. People are starting to buy into either the Giants being a good team or just not believing in Minnesota whatsoever. Right. What is fascinating is if the Giants were to make the playoffs, this game will probably dictate who they end up playing in the playoffs. If the Giants lose this game to the Minnesota Vikings, it becomes pro- more likely that Minnesota will get the two seed and that uh, if the Giants can win their game, they have the tiebreaker against the Commanders, win one of these other two games to get in, the Giants will likely play the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. So if the Giants right. lose to Minnesota, they likely play Minnesota. If the Giants win this game against the Vikings, it pushes the Minnesota Vikings down to potentially the three spot. It almost assures the Giants of locking up that six seed and who takes the place of the Minnesota Vikings? The San Francisco 49ers. So I tell you that, Adam, it's like by winning the game, you, you basically are putting a stranglehold on making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it also means you have to travel out to San Francisco and play that absolute behemoth of a defense. I, I know it's a silly question, but is there any thought to like a loss isn't the worst thing in the world against the Vikings in this game? Well, no, because you need to win the game. You need, you need the game to get into the playoffs, so you have to get it. And, and Minnesota, again, in this spectrum, might be one of the more minimal ones. Now, if you can tell me, if you can forecast forward and tell me you're going to beat the Colts, it's fine. Or if you can forecast forward in a week like this and tell me that the Commanders are going to lose and Seattle is going to lose and Detroit is going to lose, well, then maybe I don't care if the, if the Giants lose this game. It's, man, it's brutal because... From a setup standpoint, this week against the Vikings, you know, playing a team that has, if the Giants look at opponents and they say, what would you rather play against? Well, the Giants have at least shown they're capable defensively of hanging in with high-powered offenses at times or being able to shut teams down. The Giants can barely score points against Washington, 13 offensive points, right? So the idea of going into a matchup in the playoffs where, okay, okay, it's the third-string quarterback in Purdy. Yeah, but it's also one of the best defenses in the league. I just, man, that would be a really tall task to say, go from east to west, go to the west coast, play San Francisco, and try to crack the nut that is that defensive unit. Now, would set the table for one heck of a story for Daniel Jones in a playoff game and, and all of that. Um, I'd rather play the Vikings, obviously, but unfortunately, there's just there's no other way to approach it, right? Maybe down the line, after the Week 18, we'll say, hey, this kind of worked out that time when they lost to the Vikings and then beat the Colts and the Eagles were resting and they got another win and it was all good. And we made the playoffs and it didn't matter. And now we get to see the Vikings again, little revenge game, right? Because otherwise, I just... 
Even when you win, even when you win, sometimes you lose, guys. <laughs> well, I think the hardest part, Adam, is we aren't in the playoffs yet. We can't. That, that's all. That's what. Yeah, that's all that matters. It, all it breaks not down to yet. right now is we don't have the luxury of deciding, like flipping through, like, hmm, I think I'd rather play this team or this team. It's like you're eight and five. You're hanging on by a thread to the playoffs. Yeah. Make the dance first because you can't win the whole thing if you're not in it to begin with. And so for me, it's make the playoffs first. What I will think is interesting and. I don't, I don't even know if you want me to do the at the end of the day on this, Ooh. but <laughs> think about this scenario where the Giants beat Minnesota or they beat the Colts. And in week 17, the Giants are assured of a playoff berth. Then all yeah. of a sudden, week 18, the Giants may look at it and say, well, if we win this game against the Eagles, we'll play this team. And if we lose this game against the Eagles, we'll play this team maybe the Giants end up doing a little bit more strategy if they have the playoffs locked up and they say, well, if we lose this game, we get to go to Minnesota. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't be surprised if, as you said, Joe Shane and the team use a strategy of let's rest players up for the playoffs. So yeah. I think it's just fascinating that these three games, there are so many different variations of what could happen. The Giants could not make the playoffs and lose all three games. The Giants could win three straight and take the four at the five seed from the Dallas Cowboys. To me, there's so much going on. There's only three games left. It's really incredible. Yeah, and a lot of this is going to play itself out at the end of the day. An extended one, uh, certainly for us today. Um, you know, again, the the 49ers, man, they have Washington coming to town, then they'll play the Raiders, and then they get the Cardinals. So, like, wins are on the table for the 49ers. Them getting up over top of Minnesota, I think, is is very much a realistic option. And the other funny thing is it's like, well, then that last week, setting up the matchup for yourself potentially, but you don't know what other teams are trying to set up. And it's all, you know, and then every team goes out and loses and nothing changes in terms of where the hierarchy of these games go. Worth noting, of course, and we'll mention this again, but in this upcoming week, Detroit is going to Carolina. It's unfortunate that Carolina lost this past week because that would have been a really big needle mover for them to actually still be in that NFC South picture. They are in it. But if they had won that, they'd be right there with the Bucs, and that would set up for some exciting games for them. And then Seattle goes to Kansas City. Kansas City is already a great team. You combine that with going and playing at Kansas City. So the two teams behind the Giants in that playoff picture, I mean, Detroit feels like a team destined to make this push. You could find 7-7-1 seven, seven, Washington Commanders, which would fall behind the Detroit Lions if they were to win. So there's a lot of things going on here. We've talked a lot about NFC East sending all four teams to the playoffs. After this weekend, if, if we just kind of assume that Seattle's going to lose to Kansas City and the Commanders lose to the 49ers, the Detroit Lions with a win get right up in there into that playoff picture, eight and seven right behind us. And depending on how it goes against the Vikings, now all of a sudden you're talking about hanging on to a bit of a razor-thin margin and every game thereafter still becomes huge. So uh, guess what, man? At the at the end of the day, like at the at the end of the at the end of the day, um, dude, we're talking all the we're talking insane scenarios, right? I don't mean that negative. I mean positively. We're talking about eight different scenarios that could play itself out for the New York Football Giants in the playoff picture because they're in the playoff picture. The only thing that can stop that is if they lose the next three games. So go out, play well. We're gonna start breaking down the Vikings the next two episodes here. But this is what it's about. It's late December, about to be Christmas time, holiday season, I should say. Happy Hanukkah to those who are celebrating out there. Like, this is what you want, to be debating all these fascinating scenarios. And ultimately, all you hope for is wins for the Giants where they're in the playoffs. Listen, I'll go and get my buck kicked by San Francisco if that's what it looks like. Because it means I still went to the playoffs and this team 
went and secured a playoff spot. They didn't fall into it. And that's why I hope they win two out of the last three games because that means you earned it as opposed to everybody else kind of got you there. Couldn't agree more. I'm excited to see what happens. As you said, we're going to break it down next two. I mean, Adam, we just talked about wild playoff scenarios for a while. I know we, we need to rest up because we got a lot of content coming in against, uh, you know, for this one o'clock game on Christmas Eve against the Vikings. You better believe it, man. Head over to YouTube. Why? Because that's where we're doing this. And we're so close, man. We're, we're eclipsing over 1,900, pushing towards 2,000 subscribers. I'd love, man. I would love to see that 2,000 potentially by the new year. What a way to kick off 2023. Help be a part of that. Get in on the comments. We have seen the spectrum of people being disgusted with what we talk about, people loving our perspectives, people thinking we hate Daniel Jones, thinking that I might be a secret agent for destruction for this franchise. It's all there, man. Adam. Adam, one last thing I was going to say, sure. if you are like me and you're you're a procrastinator and you forget to do your Christmas shopping and you're wondering what you can get someone last second, last minute, hmm. just give them that free subscription to the One Giant Podcast. It feels hmm. like the perfect stocking stuffer hmm. to be able to give those family members. Just hit that button. It's that easy. And guess what? It. it means so much to us, as Adam keeps mentioning. And it's the gift that keeps on giving because it's going to be an episode all throughout the weeks, throughout the years, really. I mean, you may never have to give a gift again. You give the subscription to the One Giant Podcast, and all of a sudden, next year, you just say, remember that time? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's a good one. You can give it also every single night of Hanukkah as you celebrate as well. Get on the podcast feed wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.